on this DMV Sports Roundtable. The Caps are back after a short summer, first obliterating the Bruins on opening night and then having an overtime battle in Pittsburgh that Washington lost. We'll talk to Peter Hassett of Russian Machine Never Breaks about whether we can expect another awesome hockey season. Then the Redskins are back from the bye to face the Saints in New Orleans Monday night. And then our guest author a little later says salary caps are killing pro sports. Dimitri and Jamal and George are all here with you today. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. As we mentioned, uh, Peter Hassett, Russian Machine Never Breaks, with us on Skype. And Peter, we've got a pretty small sample size here. Only two games, but at the very least, we can say this team can score goals goals just as last season's team could oh goodness yeah what do they have uh seven plus six is 13, 13. goals in two games that's <laughs> fun at the very least it'll be a, uh, an interesting exciting season like i said it's early returns but it's worth knowing that the two teams they played out of the gate in back-to-back games were both teams that were excellent last season boston and pittsburgh both are above 100 points and the fact that the capitals whipped boston positively out of the gate in opening night uh, and then in the the back half of a back-to-back on the road against a rested Penguins team, which is just as good as the, they were last year, they they got an overtime point and still racked up a ton of goals. I I think there's a good reason to think that this team, while they may not have the you know uh, postseason success of last team, I think last year, I think it's possible this team is probably better. Uh, and I, I've been trying to make that argument on my site for a while that that with a couple changes, maybe once Michael Kempney gets back, maybe once Wilson gets back, I think that they're they're deeper and more reliable in their their lineup depth. So I think they can be just as dangerous as they were last season, and maybe they'll get as lucky as they did in the postseason last season. Peter, what are your thoughts on the Tom Wilson uh, suspension? It's 20 games to some people seems like it's a, it's a little bit excessive, but is that really indicative of the, the harshness of the hit or that's just because, you know, his resume and he's a he's a past defender? It's it's the latter. So the, right. the, the hit he put on Sunquist was bad, um, although it was a, a, a pretty commonplace hit in the league 10 years ago, let alone, you know, 20 and 30. Um that said, the norms of the National Hockey League have changed a lot over that amount of time. And it's been pretty clear since, I don't know, Rafi Torres' day that you can't do that anymore. And with, with Wilson having three suspensions last season, um, plus a, a bunch of other borderline hits that were reviewed, Wilson's in an unprecedented situation as a repeat offender. We've, we see this every time a referee calls him for a borderline hit, but now we're seeing it in his punishment. And 20 games is out of bounds for what you'd see for a first-time or even second-time offender. But Wilson's not in that group anymore. Wilson's in a group that contains just Tom Wilson. And the league says, we're sick of this guy. They're getting pressure from other teams, from the media. Everyone is just sick of what Tom Wilson's doing. And you know, even Tom Wilson has admitted that he needs to be smarter with his play. He needs to justify his salary. Um, and he's going to learn that lesson harshly with this 20-game suspension. That said, he's already put an appeal, and that he, they're going to shave some games off that for sure. Um, the league, because there's no precedent, doesn't have a whole lot of, of a leg to stand on for throwing this number out. It just seems um, arbitrary. Uh, and so I, I imagine it'll get carved down to 15. That's still, that's, you know, about a million dollars of Wilson's salary to, to, to lose. If there's anything that's going to change his behavior, it's this. And it, it, the thing, I mean, he's got to he's got to understand how number one, how important he is to the team. Number two, this is a preseason game, and at some point, doesn't he have to? I mean, you got to take it amongst upon yourself to 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 figure this out and not and not do this. I mean, you're hurting your team, and you're losing a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'll add that <laughs> when he when he threw big. Uh, so we, in the the Pittsburgh series last year, he yeah. hit uh, Brian Dumoulin and, and Zach Anton Reese, and the Dumoulin hit was 
in a weird circumstance, it was sort of a broken play. Ovechkin was involved in it, uh, and it got reviewed, but Wilson didn't get suspended. Then, you know, like the next game or two games later, he completely just destroys Zach Anton Reese, gives him a concussion, breaks his jaw. Zach Anton Reese didn't eat solid food all summer wow. while Wilson was celebrating the championship. He has engendered this reputation well earned and those were playoff games mm-hmm. in the second round against the biggest rival mm-hmm. the hit that he got suspended for this time was a preseason game and he hit a fourth liner yeah it was the the exact definition of a low stakes moment in which he decided to concuss an opponent in a hit that no one throws in this day and age i think you know that's the biggest thing for me that it happened in a preseason game and no other sport do you see uh i haven't seen Something that you do in the preseason, uh, the punishment carries over to the regular season and affects the team. Twenty games is a lot. Six to ten might have been a little, a little bit more, uh, you know, on the mark. But let me ask you this: We're seeing rule changes in the NFL, which are, you know, they're made for player safety, but they are also taking away physicality from the game of football. Do you see the same thing possibly happening in hockey, taking away? the goons and the fighting and the hits and, and trying to make it safer? Yes, in two directions. One is it's been partially organic as like the, the money puck salary cap era sort of enforce itself. Front offices realize that they have to get value that manifests in goals and wins. And so having these players on your team that just sort of serve like a cultural value of, you know, I'm doing you can scare quotes, like enforcing, you know, good behavior by your opponents. Oh, you won't abuse Wayne Gretzky if you've got this thug or that thug to beat up you on, on you if you do it. Um, that's sort of gone away. And the managers are saying, I need a player that can generate goals, prevent goals, play special teams. And if you can't deliver that all nice value and all you can do is fight or all you can do is hit, you're less valuable to me. And so that's that's happened over the last maybe 15 years. No. But the leagues have certainly tightened up um, since the the Rafi Torres' Matt, Matt Cook hits of maybe a decade ago. And then the last thing, it, it's inevitable that they're going to start using international norms and minor league norms for no hits to the head no matter what, whether it's incidental or not, if you hit the head, whether it results in an injury or not, if, if it's a hit to the head, that's a, a penalty and a suspension coming for sure. Do you think that takes away from the tradition and the mystique of hockey? I mean, that's something that goes along with hockey, that physicality, that, you know, having the goons, the enforcers. And the second thing is, do you see them at, at some point, maybe in the near future, eliminating fighting altogether because that's part of the thing is that that is part of the game. Do you see them taking that out? Um, I, I think that no one wants to legislate it. No one wants to obliterate the idea of fighting. And the league has found ways to sort of like carve away at it. So they don't want to banish it, but they want to reduce its frequency. So then when it happens, it's it feels organic and it feels authentic. But these like canned fights, these sort of like set up staged fights at, at face offs, <laughs> they've they've said, oh, that's silly. Get that out of the game. And they've they've done things to discourage it, but they haven't tried to eliminate it. Now, the hitting and the goon rolls is the same thing. We've seen them sort of work themselves out as teams wanted to compete more. But you're right that a lot of sort of the historical culture of hockey is in is in physicality and, and in hurting people. That said, there's a lot more to hockey than that. And I think the more people grow to appreciate, there's gonna, there's still going to be hitting in the league, just not hitting to the brain pan. And there, there's going to still gonna be, you know, big dudes skating fast, hitting pucks, doing fancy moves. And I think there's a lot of appeal in that. And I think they'll probably find that they're, they're not losing anything by 
reducing the incidents, if not banishing outright. I do have a little uh, comment from TJ Oshie about Wilson's suspension. I think it's unfortunate for Tom that the league is making an example out of him. They set the standards. They want to get the dirty stuff out of the game, which I think at least Tom's play was on the ice and, and he was hitting a guy that had the puck milliseconds before. And then you see out there tonight the sucker punches that Lars took in. So they kind of set the standard. Marshawn has a history, and we, we trust that they'll do what they're supposed to do and take care of business. He said the guy had the puck seconds before. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that player was eligible. Well, that player was eligible to be hit, just not eligible to be concussed and have his shoulder separated for uh, an, a partially an arbitrary reason. And, and Wilson might not have been the player who's eligible to hit him. So, yeah, I don't. I, I think she's got a, a point, and he's also got you know um a prejudice he's right he's, he's quite biased yeah. <laughs> right. and I, I, it's worth pointing out that like the comparison he was making was to like brad marchand roughing up lars eller in after at the end of game one which was intentional for, yeah, yeah for for for, <laughs> for lars eller celebrating too much right. so like what jamal said about like the culture of hockey there's some silly stuff happening in this sport still where, where folks say oh if you if you celebrate in a blowout win your goal then you're violating a code and therefore i am duty bound to punch you in the head and make you bleed <laughs> as a result that's some bonkers stuff but that's the the culture of hockey this is a not always rational sport in mm-hmm. league how about this don't get shut out seven nothing once you play better <laughs> right. and they won't have to celebrate a seventh goal well now that we're stanley cup <laughs> champs we can <laughs> yeah. things here, like that here, i have something I, can, I need i need to ask and i don't know if i'm in the if i'm gonna get after the caps on this one peter the celebration the other night the tribute video not to have barry trotz in the video at all Am I wrong that that was just petty? You could just show just, just show torn. one clip. So I'm I'm not the biggest Trots fan. Okay, and even I am like, yeah, that's a little weird. Right. Just, even if yeah. you just you don't have to announce it, you don't have to just show one clip of him holding yeah. the cup. I mean, yeah, whether you like, like him um, or not, and I understand how it ended. I get it, but he was still the coach when you won for the first time. Yeah, heck yeah, and um, I think it's worth noting that like somebody made an editorial to choice. You know, like there were, somebody was sitting in front of yeah Final Cut Pro and said, let's cut that out. And that had Barry Trotz in it. Now I don't think that um, like Jay Beagle was in it either, and he's he's in Vancouver now, so mm-hmm. maybe it was like a standard that was set. I don't see how it could have hurt them. Right. A little, they need to dip down their heads for uh, Trotz when he comes back and uh, when the Islanders come to town. And you would hope they do something, but here's the thing: they if they show him in that, nobody's changing their story the next day to say, oh, they included Barry Trotz. The story the next day was everybody went and rewrote saying that they did not include him in right. the video. Yeah, that's a little weird. I think my biggest... I, I, I think that we may underestimate how um, yeah. not super amicable that split I, was between Trotz and the organization. I think you're right. I think my biggest takeaway from that whole video was uh, exactly how unsanitary the Stanley Cup is. <laughs> <laughs> right, that food is, and animals and babies That is and food. a Petri dish. Two people <laughs> ate cereal. It was in different countries. People put a baby in it. There was a dog's ass in there. And people, and then all, and I don't know how many people put their face in that thing and touched it. That is one of the most, I would take a picture with it. Some people say, I would drink out of it. You'd be <laughs> sick as a damn dog. Right. That's why I was like, look, there's a baby. There's a, there's a baby's ass right. in the cup. Fill it up with like a whole case of beer and then have people stick their heads in it. Yeah. Like that's, like that's how you get mono. That is so yeah. unsaid. That, that cup, I'm proud. I'm glad we have it. And I felt emotional when we got it. But that 
cup is nasty. Mm-hmm. Silver, well, you know, it, it, it's easy to sterilize. It's yeah. a good metal. Oh, for that's a, that's a lot of sterilization right there. I was <laughs> saying somebody's using some antibacterial oh wipes, but do you have any concerns that if Braden Holtby goes through a rough patch like last year, gets hurt, Philip Grubauer isn't around to back him up anymore? A little bit. I, I'm a I'm a deep believer in Holtby. I'm a, I'm deep in the tank for Braden here. Uh, he's been. A, a super consistent goalie up until last season when his job got really tough. But you know, seeing him give up that what was it a seven spot last night, six spot last night, that was a little concerning. Um, Phoenix Copley is less tested, but the organization loves him. They've they've done a lot of work to keep him in the club, and they've got even more talented goalies up in the farm. So um, I, I think that there's some interesting opportunities. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him sound off at some point in net for the Capitals this season, but. Uh, I'm not ready to doubt Brayden Holby. I think this is going to be a bounce back year for him. He put up a shutout in the game one. Let's let's see what he's got. Peter, good to catch up with you again. Like I say, it feels like it was just yesterday we were talking because it was just a few weeks ago. Short summer, so um, a wonderful short summer. It was a blessing. <laughs> I was to say you'd be. Ha- it's it's okay to have a summer that short summer when you're playing into the middle of June. No, right, no doubt. Amen. Thank you. We'll be checking out everything you guys are writing and talk to you again soon. Cheers. All right, Thanks, thanks Peter. Peter Hassett, Russian machine never breaks. Okay, so the Redskins are back at work after their bye. They'll visit Drew Brees and the Saints Monday night. What is the challenge? Gentlemen, what's the expectation here? It depends on which team shows up. If expectation the te- is to win. That's yeah. the expectation. Well, yes. of course. <laughs> now, nah, George Gruden. He asked a question. George Gruden. Are you doing a, a press conference? I'm answering the question. They're expecting <laughs> the, the, to the win most the game. After what happened last year. After what happened last year. Yeah. Chris Thompson to. went down. You dubbed 15 points. The questionable intentional grounding. Game over. You are. But they who, need to win. Who the game. shows up? Is this the Redskins from week one and three? Or if, if, if the week two team shows up, they're going to get blown out the, the whole damn dome. Oh, Breeze will break the record in the first quarter. Yeah. He can't. You, you can't do that. And I still think, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this, that you have to start with the run. You don't have to, you know, grind. Uh, Peterson. Well, you don't think he wants to prove something either? He does. Yeah. He does. And and he did that against Arizona. Mm-hmm. He's he's on a little uh get back tour. You know, it would be Which great. Fine. It would be great if we were scheduled with the Vikings this year. That yeah. would be fantastic. There'd be a lot of storylines in that one. But you know, you have well, to start with Well, the NFC championship game between Minnesota and the Redskins should but, be fine. I'm on the first flight. Ah. <laughs> I thought I was going to be here. You got you got to establish. Actually, you don't want that game here. No, you, you don't. don't want any playoff game here. You got to establish anyway, the run, and on. that's going to open it for the. What I don't want Jay to do is look at that secondary, which is Swiss cheese right now. David Amerson is over there. He got cut from. Oh, that's the, what you talking about. Right. He got cut from the Chiefs, whose secondary is horrendous. By the way, you see Scandrick make a tackle the other night. The big tackle in he's, that game. He's, he is horrible. But anyway, I digress. So, Jay gets into this thing. I don't want him to kind of try to uh, outsmart himself by out trying to outsmart Peyton. Uh, he knows that advantage is there. But no need to come out firing. Because what we did against the Packers and your best defense is your offense. If you can keep Drew Brees on the side, and they know that from last year, you got to keep him on the sidelines. Because if he has any sort of shot, he's going to score in that dome. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is playing out of his mind right now. I don't, I don't know how you got Mike Thomas. Now, to add another wrinkle into that, Fresh Ingram comes back from his suspension. His suspension is done, so now you throw Ingram in the mix along with the rest of the people that in that offense is on my fantasy team. I'm going to play him this week. I don't want to, but I should. I'm, well, I should I'm playing him. You are? Fire him up. Yeah, I'm going to fire him up. <laughs> Why not? 
I mean, I'm, not, I'm just because they're playing the Redskins. I, hey, I've been waiting four weeks to play this dude, so I'm not going to wait any longer. True. I waited four weeks for Element last night. So I would definitely pull the trigger on that one. You guys remember during the bad old days, uh, the Skins would come off a bye and be rusty. It's like they hadn't played football in a while. Uh, that, yeah. is, you expect that this time, or is this I, a I different I, group of people? Guys, yesterday we're talking about, I asked specifically asked Chris Thompson that. He goes, nah, he says, I really think guys are anxious to keep it going from what they did against Green Bay. Because I said, you're worried about you know ramping mm-hmm. it up again. And momentum's a, it's a week-to-week thing in this league. I get right. it. But they said, no, they've all kind of realized that they could be something if they play not like they did against the Colts. So if they play the way they did last week in week one against the Saints, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to look back at that Colts game and be like, that's just a... Maybe. You know, a, I'm, I'm Anomaly. I'm not sold on that. I'm not as optimistic about, about that as you are. Because, again, I haven't seen this team come out and play with the same consistency. You play the same. No, that's period what I'm saying. If for you get weeks. that, if, if you, you get, and that's a big if right. for, for me. Right. That's a big if because you do have it. You had the week off, and it's a Monday night game, so you got extended amount of time. And still, I don't. Does does that re-energize, refuel them, or do they come out like Dimitri said, a little flat, complacent? I think this team is pissed after last year. That game last year. I hope they are, but I can't wholeheartedly, you know. That that in between the Colts game, I got to see it to believe it. Basically, well, you can watch Monday. Yeah, and then be dragged, gonna, right? Drag it on Tuesday. Well, then fine. Go to bed. Don't watch the game. Then. I got to. Come on, man. Uh, it's the old uh, you know uh, roll over never, and roll over in bed watch. and check and your here's phone. The thing. No, if I can't they, do. I got to watch it. If they come out, I'm not necessarily saying they have to win Monday night. You come out and lose a shootout. Yeah. Then then I still think this team is going to be. Talked about. I think if if they beat them and you go to three and one, then all of a sudden yeah. you got the Panthers, the Cowboys, Giants. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're going to start gaining some attention. But I still think I don't you, want that for them. Well, I'm just saying I don't want that. For, I know where you're going with that. I'm and those two are, are signature wins, yeah. and they will start moving up these stupid power rankings that they have every week. And whole there's a whole show on the NFL Network. I know, which is I know. just a waste of time. But I'm saying if they come out and lose a shootout to Breeze in the dome, right. I don't think there's anything to be no, no, you, you're not going to hang your head, right. you know, hang your head about that. But I think that they will have an opportunity to score a lot of points. I think that secondary is so bad. It's basically the same defense that they went up against last year, so they sh- they should be able to. No, no, no. Because secondary is worse because they just lost. Or the, worse. They, okay. they they lost the starting corner. That's true. Uh, last week they've had injuries That's back true. there, so it's not the the front is the same. Yeah. Now they're a little more stingy against the run, but I still think you have to try to establish that because when you do. Everything else will open up because if they try to put somebody else, if they go eight nine in the box, they're barbecue chicken like like Shaq says. It's <laughs> over with. They're going to get toasted. This team also was running Rob Kelly last year too, and That's Chris true. Thompson. So That's true. When, before Thompson got hurt, so yeah. So and then what that will do, I think Crowder, Davis, Reed, they will be able to run freely through the middle of that of that uh, secondary. Is Harris up? Yeah, Harris will start. Floyd is learning both. Hey, positions. Why is he here? Well, you why? Guess he, because for he, what reason? That man has caught more DUI cases <laughs> than he has footballs in the last three years. Well, then maybe he won't. You won't see him. But we haven't. I don't. Even, he shouldn't be on the roster. Well, uh, at least they they changed and got rid of Perryman. What What are we doing? I'd have been more excited 
if they had signed the guy from Ballers. Yeah, Ricky Jarrett. Ricky Jarrett. Yeah. I would have been ah. more excited if they signed Ricky Jarrett from Ballers than those two. Uh, Welcome, Ricky Jarrett. Uh, so let's bring in Bruce Dobigan. He's co-author of Cap in Hand, How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why the Free Market Could Save Them. Sorry to start off on a sour note. You're an Expos fan, so we have your team down here now in, in D.C. <laughs> I'm trying to think how many years it is, and I haven't recovered. I, I don't hold it against you guys. I, I, I appreciate you guys getting another team. But, uh, you know, in fact, the, 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 the Nationals have been a lot like the Expos in their inability to uh, grasp destiny and, <laughs> and go true. further in the playoffs. That's Never, true. That was the Expos, too. You may get a team up there, though, again. We'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed. I mean, they need a new stadium, yeah. and uh, they need an owner who's got a couple billion dollars, and, uh, and those are two big things to try to fight <laughs> in this day and age. Well, you uh, talked us right into the subject of your book as far as owners with billions. Uh, you used the example of Alex Ovechkin, uh, very arguably the most popular athlete around here right now coming off that Stanley Cup victory. You asked why the NHL tries to turn him into a loser, along with Steph Curry in the NBA, Russell Wilson in the NFL. What do you mean by that, that they're trying to, you know, hold these players back. You would think if you're trying to promote your league, the, the, the thing you would want most of all is Steph Curry and, 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 and Alex and, and these guys, uh, these guys like that, Russell Wilson, you, you, you'd want them in the big games on the big TV uh, moments. You, you would want to promote your league with them. They're everything that you want. They're photogenic. They're good off camera, uh, good off the field in terms of uh, uh, promotion and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's kind of like your perfect now change. Once you become a winner, they want to take your team apart. And, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember that in the old days, if you put a team together, you had a few years to enjoy them and, and have them play together and become a great team. And, and it, you know, the, the big lie that owners have sold for years is that everybody really wants Wants parity. This notion of parity and everybody having a chance to win the Stanley Cup or win the win the Super Bowl or whatever it is. And 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 when you talk to fans, oh yeah, well yeah, everyone should have a chance. But you know what? When you really talk to them, they want to talk about the great teams. They want to remember the great Steelers teams. They want to remember the great Yankees teams. That's what they really want to see is the best. And so I have no idea why we want to uh, take apart great teams uh, for the sake of maybe having an extra five teams in the major leagues or an extra four teams in the NBA, etc. You're not afraid of losing some of these fans that, you know, their team, if I know my team, just doesn't have a shot. And these these other teams, these dynasties, these, these big monster programs, I, I don't have a shot against them. I'm, some people might not go to the games and might not watch the game because, you know, for what? Well, it's funny you mention that. I mean, I got a couple of examples. Primarily, football, nobody's worried that every year it's, it's Alabama and Ohio State as, mm-hmm. as the top football programs. Nobody's worried about Duke and North Carolina and, always, and Kansas always being excellent programs. In, in, in the NCAA level, nobody says, oh, gee, you know, what, what about poor old, uh, I don't know, Fairly Dickinson or something <laughs> that way, and, and, and the the advertisers don't stay away. The TV ratings are great, and why? Because people want to see the best teams playing the best teams, and we've gotten away from that. The other example I use in the book as a way to run, we should be running things, is the way soccer is done in Europe. You play at the level you can afford. This notion of having a small market like a Columbus, Ohio or a Winnipeg, Manitoba trying to compete with New York City is, is, is daft. It's, it, it doesn't work. And, and so my suggestion is that we do like the soccer people do. I don't want anyone to lose their team like I lost the Expos. 
what, what I'm suggesting is, is that everybody play at the level they can afford. So you have a first and a second division. And the teams that are smaller markets, they can't afford to compete, but would like to have a team still that would develop the top stars, that they would still have their team. But the people at the top, we, we would have the concentration of the best players on the best teams, because that's what people want. And that's what the soccer people have, uh, have proven. I, I don't know about you guys, but in my hometown, we have kids walking around wearing Lionel Messi jerseys, and Cristiano Ronaldo jerseys, and, and Beckham jerseys. And that's because the soccer people understood sell the big names, sell the big uh, teams, put them on TV all the time, and that's how you're going to become popular. And I think all the North American leagues are missing that. But if you took your system to the NFL, let's say, you would have the Jacksonville Jaguars in a lower division than some of the big city teams. Some could argue yep. it's, it's great to have 32 teams all competing. Well, but yeah, but then think of all of this fin- the financial gymnastics we have to go through to try to equalize this stuff. And and what has what what salary caps got us? They've got us tanking, you know, not so much the NFL, but certainly the NBA, Major League Baseball, and, and the NHL. You've got tanking as teams try to go to the bottom to get a, a, a top draft pick. You get dilution of talent. You get the cap casualties, as I suggested before. Teams that are basically having to take themselves apart because they're too good. You have lousy management. This is the one that most bothers me. You have lousy management that then gets rewarded with Baker Mayfield. Oh, by the way, you screwed up your business all year long. Here's the best new employee we've got. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me, that whole situation is so bass-ackwards. To me, I think if you if you have you run your business badly, you should go down to the second division. That's what happens in soccer if, in, in Europe. If you don't play well, you don't run your business properly, you don't get the first draft pick, you go down to the second division and you have to figure out how to be a better team and a better organization. So, Bruce, my name is uh, Chris Chian. I joined the conversation a little bit late here, but I did want to kind of ask you more in terms about the NFL salary cap. Now, I know that in the offseason, I don't have the exact details in front of me, but that they did and they continue to seem to increase it so that these teams are able to sign bigger money players like the Vikings, for example, making Kirk Cousins the highest paid player for a time being. And they still were able to go grab some guys. Is the NFL at least taking steps in the right direction, you think, with the salary cap? Or are you just kind of in favor of essentially abolishing it as a whole? Even the adjustments the NFL has made and the other leagues made some adjustments too, but even the ones the NFL has made, you're still stuck at the end of three or four years uh, when, when you have a concentration of your money at the top end of your, of your salary cap. You can't afford to go get the better players uh, to b- balance your roster. No better example than the Seattle Seahawks, one of the top teams of the decade, and bit by bit they had to give up players because, of course, Russell Wilson then came into the big money, and we have to decide who's going to get the big money. And the salary caps have driven uh, teams crazy because you have everybody up at the top, maybe five, six, seven guys getting money at the top, and then everybody else at the bottom has to sit in. There's no middle class anymore for these guys. One of the reasons that the Las Vegas hockey team was a success in the NHL last year was because there were all of these guys who couldn't get employment anywhere else in the <laughs> NHL anymore. They were veteran guys, they knew how to play, and they were willing to pay for, let's say, two or three million bucks. And they put them all together on one team, and they almost won the Stanley Cup. So uh, the NFL is doing some stuff that works. I would just like to see the NFL expand to 60 teams and then divide it into, into 30 and 30, or maybe, let's say, 48 teams, 24 and 24. Have the big franchises that can afford it play up at that level. And every week, we have, the NFL is a tough example because there's only 16 games, and every game is already an event. I'm, I'm, a lot of what I'm talking about applies more to basketball and to hockey and to baseball, which just have too many games. There's too many games that mean nothing. On Friday night in, in February, we got Sacramento playing New Orleans. I mean, who cares, right? <laughs> uh, I'm talking about creating 
teams, the best players playing on the best teams, and seeing them all the time. You say team owners pretend to be capitalists but act like socialists. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the things in the book, I, I, the book originally started as, as sort of a, a, the, the 10 or 12 biggest contracts in sports history, how we got to today, starting with Babe Ruth. And, and when you read the book, you'll get back to the, to, to the start of it, and you'll see that owners have always wanted to have a monopoly, and they've always wanted to control players' ability to move from team to team. For a long time, they were able to use the Supreme Court and the Congress to do that. When that sort of got sidetracked, then they went into collective bargaining, and they basically got the players to cut their own throats. But the owners always talk uh, talk like capitalists and act like socialists because they don't want any interference in their business, and they want a guaranteed profit at the start of the year. And and it, uh, to me, in most of the leagues, it makes them fat and lazy, and it makes them uncreative in terms of their product. And, uh, you know, again, expanding to too many teams all at the top level. I, I remember Harry Sinden, the, the, the Boston Bruins general manager for a long time. He said, you know what the problem is with our league? And I said, what's that, Harry? He said, we got 30 teams, and we got one Stanley Cup. At the end of the year, we got 29 pissed-off fan bases. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that leads to the the final question, which is: there is no godlike figure that controls all of sports or even a small part of sports. I mean, who are you appealing to in your book to make these changes? The reasons I'm talking about this is: first of all, fans sacrifice a lot of seasons, full NHL seasons, half seasons in the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, the World Series was canceled. Fans did a lot of stuff, uh, sacrificed a lot of stuff, so that owners could bring in a salary cap or a luxury tax to try to make the system work better. And as, as you can see, anybody who watched, let's say, the Orioles and the Detroit Tigers basically trying to lose to each other all season as they were tanking knows that that system isn't, isn't necessarily working the way it is. And what I'm telling people is, yeah, I don't expect anybody today to go, yeah, let's change it right away. But you're going to see, and you're already hearing the talk, the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, and MLB are all talking about taking the players in collective bargaining and threatening lockouts again. And I think the fans who sacrificed a lot of time and a lot of their senior favorite teams so that the owners could get their house in order are going to say, what, you, you need more help getting your house in order? Sorry, I'm washing my hands with you. And that will be the impetus to, of somebody trying to do something different. Well, best of luck with the book, Bruce, and thanks for uh, being with us today. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you calling me up and your interest in the book. Yeah, good stuff, Bruce. I don't agree with all of it, but you make good good points, yeah. Bruce Dobigan, he's co-author of Cap in Hand, How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why the Free Market could save them. Final thoughts from anyone and everyone. I would uh, say that I kind of like the 60 NFL team idea. You know, like put franchises. (laughs) Yeah, And put them where? In Bakersfield? Uh, Birmingham, Alabama. We Why? have uh, emerging markets. Uh, oh, Lord. I know it's like Thank radical. You. I don't think it would ever actually happen. But but then yeah. you'd have to have what the Super Bowl and and the under undercard Super Bowl. I mean, so so wait, let's let me get this. Straight. So <laughs> so what do you have? So what do you you like? It's a uh, uh, so you had like ten a and teams, B? and then like you, yeah, the, the the worst ten teams get relegated. And uh, why not just make those uh, like farm teams? Yeah, I'm, could could be the case. I mean, sound like Jamal with his fantasy teams. You got sixty. But what's the? <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like it sometimes. But I mean, it, I don't see. I don't really see the point of that. If you're going to do that, and you're going to put teams in smaller markets in the Birmingham or Bakersfield or you know whatever small markets you can find that probably has just a minor league baseball team, then make it a farm system. Yeah. And why there's no point in making it part of the NFL and to say this is NFL A and NFL B. If you're going to make it NFL B, then turn it into like a, the G League and make it a farm system. I like the fact that the guy is bringing up these 
different ideas and yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what? It's something. It, it has to be done. I mean, the, the cap is is a very you know, it's a very fickle thing. There's no exact science to it, and and everyone has different ways to work with it and work around it, or just you know, plain ignore it if you have certain owners. Yeah, I, the only thing I, I disagree with them too would be that who cares about a Friday night game in February? There's kids that care, and there's gamblers who care. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. The, I think the latter was more what was you more, care about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But see that you're appealing to everybody. I would. You, you know. just put kids and gamblers in the same sentence. That shouldn't happen. Well, I was a kid <laughs> once. Now I'm a gambler. I was going to say kids. Kids do grow kids up turn to be into gamblers. Yeah. To be gamblers, depending. Wasn't there on. a song like that? <laughs> Probably. No, that's the don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Oh, cowboys, not gamblers. Not yet. Right. Same right. thing. I guess it's interchangeable. Mr. Chion, uh, a minute of uh, your thoughts on Skins Saints since you weren't in the room when we went over it. Not so great game for Adrian Peterson. The Saints run defense has actually been pretty decent, but they can be had in the passing game. Um, I, I, the last time I said Adrian Peterson, though, wasn't going to have a good game. He scored two touchdowns against the <laughs> Packers. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. I like the Redskins to win this game on Monday night. I think the extra day will help. I think the main weakness for the Saints is their secondary. What's the major weakness of the Redskins right now? I think they're kind of yeah. solid on every portion of this, albeit not like exceptional, but I just think that the Saints glaring weakness is, is it'll be too much. Alex Smith can dink and dunk on them. He's building the rapport with Jamison Crowder. We saw that against the Packers. So I like the uh, Redskins. And Josh Norman said yesterday, I asked him, what do you need to do differently? He said, just finish. That's it. Yeah. Just finish. That's, that's all you got to do. That's it, Dimitri. Speaking of finish, we're finished. We're going to finish too. We're be nice for them to be three and one, huh? And I think, and then what, I think Thompson Cowboys, has a big game also. Cowboys oh, are next, be, so imagine. No, no, Panthers oh, are next. Panthers are next. Panthers, Cowboys Panthers. are next at home. No, uh, Panthers, Panthers are next. Panthers are next. Cowboys, then Giants. Uh-huh. So don't get ahead of yourself. No, 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 Cowboys no, no. and Giants. <laughs> don't lick your chops looking at those but two listen, yet. Those you got two Cam are, Newton you got to deal with. That's it. All right. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. We hope you'll download it and then just tap listen. For Jamal and Chris and George, I'm Dimitri, and for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, and even in the bayou, God help us.